There's a verse that I, I want to begin with. You may not know it. It may not be one of your favorites, but it's a verse out of the Bible, spoken by an evil spirit. And this is what he said. He said, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? That's an interesting question. I'm not claiming that uh, there's something wrong with this Bible verse. I'm just observing uh, that it is spoken by an evil spirit. And as we turn our attention to uh, our text for tonight, the title of the message is All Title and No Testimony. Now, I know we have a lot of people in the church who have various titles. We have some who are called deacon, and we have some who are called preacher, and we have some who are called Sunday school teacher, and we have a lot of folks who are called Christian, but you can be all title and no testimony. And I want to illustrate that from Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 20. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 20. Give you a minute to turn there. Before we read the scripture, the Bible says here, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. But also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place, attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And seven sons of one Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus. And I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known to all the Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone, and they counted up the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. So here are these men who had this title, Exorcist. And uh, you've seen movies and you've heard that name. Uh, you know, all my growing up years, I never heard this word. I never heard it. Wasn't familiar with it. Uh, it wasn't used in the church I guess I first heard it when the movie came out, and those of you who are a little older remember the movie, The Exorcist. I had never heard that word, 
and for good reason. This is the only time the word is used in the entire New Testament. The New Testament does not make a big issue out of people who were exorcists. The word, by the way, means to use a formula and an oath to conjure an evil spirit. That's the idea behind it. There's some kind of formula that you use and so uh, for expelling demons. So in the Bible, I checked it out. I looked very carefully in the New Testament. Jesus never employs a formula for casting out demons. He didn't need a formula. He commanded them. Uh, and the phrase that's used, or the Greek word is ekbalo, which means cast out. He cast them out. And so uh, he didn't use this method that these men used. Now that's something to consider when you hear of an exorcist. And those who use the term in reference to Jesus and his disciples, I think, are mistaken. Jesus didn't tell his disciples to exorcise demons. He didn't tell them to be exorcists. He said, I give you authority over them, and that authority came from him. You see the same thing with Paul. Here, uh, the Bible says he was not even present when, when these demons departed. The only instance where we given where he can where Paul confronted a demon personally is in Acts chapter 16, where there was a, a girl who had an evil spirit and he commanded it to depart and it did. But never is this title, Exorcist, given to a believer in the New Testament. The person on the screen is a Protestant exorcist. His name is Lars Messerschmidt. I think he's Norwegian, but uh, he, he was written up in an article contrasting a Catholic exorcist and a Protestant exorcist. And so this is one of many pictures that he allowed the photographer to take of him in his exorcism poses and in his exorcism garb. I believe you will find it to be a title that he bears. You'll have to ask him about his testimony. Now, the only time the verb form of this word is ever used, in other words, uh, this is a noun, uh, these Jewish exorcists, the only time the verb form to exorcise anything uh, was ever used, you're not going to find it interesting, it's used when the high priest spoke to Jesus at his trial. And the high priest, by the way, I know you're going to counter by saying, well, isn't the same word in this passage of Scripture because the Jewish exorcists say, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. They use the English word, English word adjure. It's translated adjure which means to command or take an oath, to declare an oath. But that's not the word the high priest used. He used the, the English word adjure in our translation, but it's a different Greek word than used here in the book of Acts. He uses the word, he said to Jesus, I exorcizo you, I'm exorcising you in the name of the living God. Tell me if you're the Christ. 
That's an interesting moment, I think. And it, I, I looked and I, I tried to find what I could in that regard and how he might have been using it in a mystical or magical way with Jesus. Of course, Jesus didn't answer him. Here these exorcists exercised this title at key moments to accomplish specific purposes and they used the name of Jesus, or these guys did, used it like a magic word, hoping that by using him or his name, they could advance their cause, whatever it might be. So, I said all that to, to, to tell you that this is their title. These men had a title, exorcist. Now, let's consider a second. What is the difference between these men, these Jewish exorcist and Paul. What is the difference between what was happening in connection with Paul's ministry and the true results of their so-called ministry? Well, I think the answer to our question is largely in the first verse. Verse 11, look at who was working in connection with Paul's ministry. There were extraordinary miracles taking place in connection with Paul's miracle, but with, with Paul's ministry, but look at who was doing them. Luke never says Paul was doing them. He attributes these miracles to God. Never does he say Paul worked a miracle. The verse begins, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. It was something only God could do. Now, I know uh, you've seen and heard uh, people pass out prayer cloths. I've had someone tell me recently, well, someone gave me a prayer cloth for me to take with me to the hospital, and I guess that's a good thing to do in a way if you're putting your faith in God and not in the cloth itself. But let me say what was happening here. You'll notice that these, and the Greek word for handkerchiefs, is basically what it was was a sweat rag. It was one of Paul's sweat, not a preacher's sweat rag that he's preaching and passing out and saying, oh, go be healed with this. It was, it was something he used when he was working. These aprons were his work aprons, and they were taken from, Paul was a tent maker, as you know, and they were taken from his workshop wherever he was working, and God used them in an extraordinary manner. The people were healed, and evil spirits came out. Paul was not peddling these things as you often see these things peddled today. So the same God who worked when Paul was present also worked when Paul was not present, responding to the faith of those in need. The diseases left them and the evil spirits went out to God's glory. And obviously, as we read the passage of Scripture, in light of what happened, the name of Jesus was being magnified. That's the result of Paul's ministry and the result of God's activity. Now these Jewish exorcists were not using the name of Paul or Paul's handkerchiefs or aprons. They were using the name of Jesus and they did so because they recognized that Paul himself had another source of power. So they said, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now the third thing I'd like to point out about this passage of scripture is that Paul was an apostle. He had a title, but he also had a testimony. 
Paul had a title, but he also had a testimony. He had a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ that showed up in his life and ministry. Look, the church can confer a title on you, but it means nothing. It means nothing. What means something is whether or not there's an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ that shows up in your life. How would it show up in your life? Well, I would say it shows up in your life if you show up in church. And if you don't show up in church, you've got a title and not a very good testimony. I would just say that. That's true if you're a deacon or if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a preacher, you're anybody else. You need not just a title, you need a testimony. And your testimony shows up, number one, in your faithfulness, in your personal faithfulness to the Lord. It certainly ought to show up in your lifestyle. It ought to show up in, 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 in the way you live your life. And if it's not showing up, then you've got a title that somebody conferred on you at some time or another. But you don't have a testimony. These men had a title, but no testimony. Paul had a title, but he also had a testimony. He had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have too many people in the church today who have a title with no testimony, pastor, deacon, ministry leader, but no connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Though they use his name and, and attempt to exercise his power in whatever it is that they do. So what you see in verses 11 and 12 is not only something God could do then and only God could do then. It is something only God can do now. Oh, that today we would see by God's power diseases leave the sick and the evil spirits leave those tormented by demons, but it's not going to happen by our power or our piety. It'll only happen by God's power and his command. And it might at some time have a connection to your church or, or your ministry, but it'll only be so if you have a testimony of having a connection and a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, as you see on the screen, some churches have a title, but no testimony. We read about one in the book of Revelation, the church at Sardis. Jesus said of the church at Sardis, he said, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You're dead. Uh, seeing the effectiveness of Paul's ministry, uh, there were some people in his world who thought they could capitalize and a good word to, cap, to use for capitalize today might be to cash in on the opportunity. So we read in, here in the scripture, and this is what it says, some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place, they were traveling exorcists. We know of traveling salesmen. We don't see those as much as we used to, but you know, the traveling salesman, for those of you who don't know, was like the dreaded telephone call from the telemarketer. Instead of showing up on your phone, they showed up at your door and you had to say, I don't need a vacuum cleaner. I don't need an encyclopedia. I don't need any shoes. You remember the people? We had people come to my house that tried to sell shoes. I don't need any brushes. I don't need any of this. I don't need any of that. Please don't come to my house. And so people had to hang signs on their door. 
I work at night. I'm a day in our town. We everybody works shift work, so you didn't knock on somebody's door if they were sleeping, getting ready to go to work at night. They had a sign, day sleeper, don't bother me. And if you did, you were in big trouble. I know that because I bothered my neighbor on more than one occasion. He was a day sleeper. Not to sell anything, just because I was a boy. So, three things were obvious about these exorcists. They could recognize the presence of evil spirits, or so it seems. But second, they didn't know Paul, and the, the, the demon observes this. They, they knew his ministry, and they heard his sermons, and they were witnesses to what he could do, but they didn't know his heart. And third, they didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. They bore the very spiritual title of Jewish exorcist, but they had no testimony of a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, that's what it's all about. Uh, we talked tonight, Van said, in teaching our class, he said, I haven't been to seminary. You don't have to go to seminary to have a personal testimony. And he was talking about the facts of the lesson. You don't have to go to seminary to have a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who have been, we know there's some people at seminary who were not sure had a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went away with a title, but no testimony. And in church, the most important thing about you needs to be the fact that you know Jesus Christ personally, that you've had a moment in your life when you, you met the Lord. He spoke to your heart. You, you had an encounter with Him. He let you know that you were a sinner in need of a Savior, and, and you trusted Him as your Savior. You don't need any title of any kind to be effectively used by God, but you do need a testimony. So uh, these men had a name that they lived, but they were powerless and ineffective. These men that we're going to talk about now, Luke, and Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and he's relating the story, and he gives one incident uh, in the life of Paul. He gives this particular story about seven sons of Siva, this Jewish high priest who were doing this. Now, if you can imagine the impressive presence of Jewish exorcists uh, dressed for the part with all their accompanying trinkets and potions. And, and if you saw these guys walking down the street, seven men, long flowing robes with their tassels and their titles, you might step out of the way, you know, you might... Uh, in their regalia, but apparently what these men did was, as I said, to, like traveling salesmen, they went from place to place, so they decided they'd take advantage of what was happening in, Paul, in connection with Paul's ministry and maybe learn, earn a little extra money or perhaps just gain a little more clout in the community. But as we read the scripture, we see the experience went all wrong. First, they were invoking the name of one they didn't know. They didn't know Jesus. They heard Paul preach about Jesus. They saw the power of the Lord Jesus displayed in the ministry of Paul. But these men had never experienced the person or the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we're trying to get to tonight is whether or not you have experienced the person 
and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you like these seven going about maybe to speak the name of Jesus to little boys and girls with a, with a title but no testimony? Are you trying to serve the church as a, as a leader with a title but no testimony? Are you trying to preach or pastor or lead in any way with the strength of a title alone but with no testimony of the person or power of the Lord Jesus Christ? Second, they underestimated the power of the evil with which they were dealing. The Bible says here the demon spoke. The demon acknowledged their efforts. It was aware of their presence. But it was also aware of the absence of power in their lives. It knew that all they had was a title and no testimony. Does the devil know that about you? Is there some demon sitting beside you on the pew saying, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? Now recognizing the names they were speaking, the demon, uh, the demon made that remark about Paul and Jesus and the word the demon uses in reference to Jesus and Paul are two different words. First it said, I know Jesus. The word is uh, similar here to what the demons would say when Jesus encountered them. You remember on an occasion the demons would say, what have we, do, what have we to do with you? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. They knew Jesus. They knew His power. They recognized His absolute authority over them. But the, the demon also recognized that these men had no such authority. They were all title and no testimony. They had no connection or association with the name or person of Jesus. In connection with Paul, the word is, is more along the meaning of being acquainted with. In other words, the demons said, I, we know Jesus. The demons believe and tremble, as James said in, in the book of James. They were acquainted with Paul. It means we've set our thoughts on Paul because Paul had a testimony, but not these men. So they invoked a name they didn't know. Second, they underestimated the power and personality of the entity with which they were dealing. And third, the demon with which they were dealing began to deal with them. He began to display an, an authority and an intelligence that surprised them. And finally, he attacked them. The Bible says the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Now, what does the Bible, what does Peter tell us about the devil? It said he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What do you suppose a roaring lion would do to you if you were walking down a dark alley and there was a lion sitting on top of a dumpster who was hungry for more than something that was in the dumpster. He would leap on you and he would devour you. That's, what, that's the picture that Paul gives and that's the picture here. He leapt on them. It leapt on them like an animal. Next, they were immediately brought under the demon's power. The word meaning... Uh, the meaning of the word subdued, that's what it means to be brought under the power of another. And then they were overpowered, and that word means to be confronted with a strength that one can't resist. Not only did they underestimate 
his intelligence and his power, they underestimated his, uh, his uh, ferocity. And the Bible says here that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I like to look up the words because the words tell me a big story. The words in the, in the Bible, the, the words of the original language paint a picture that sometimes you can't get just looking at the, the English word. The word wounded in the Greek, this is a word you might know, traumatizo. It's the word from which we get our word traumatized. They were traumatized. You know, I can imagine their hair standing out like this and running, fleeing for their lives. You can imagine the shape they were in, scratched up, clawed up, terrified, traumatized, traumatized because of their encounter. Strangely, this display of demonic power struck fear into the lives of the people that lived in, Exodus, in, in Ephesus. The Bible says that fear fell upon them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. God was going to take this situation and he was going to bring glory to himself out of it. Why would the name of Jesus have been uh, magnified in that situation? Well, it was because the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus through Paul's ministry had been displayed as more powerful than these mighty demons. Not only so, but as we continue to read in that same passage of Scripture, you find that it sparked a revival there in Ephesus because many of these people were under, under the influence of some of these dark powers, not just that man in particular, but there were some other people, apparently some people connected with the church because if you look at verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and burning them in the sight of everyone, and they counted up the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. I always like to know how much money is that. Someone suggested how much it was in a book, and I thought, well, that's interesting, but it's probably more than that now because of inflation. Well, there's another translation that uses this expression, 50,000 drachmas. A drachma was a day's wage for one man for one day. 50,000 drachmas would have paid a man every day, seven days a week for 136 years. That's a fortune. That's a fortune. These people had no title. These people that brought their books and burned them, they had no title, but they had a testimony of an encounter with the person and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, as a result, the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing, which is what happens when people in the church have more than just titles. They have a testimony. People outside the church observe. Those folks are different. People inside the church see things happen because the presence and power of God is at work 
in the church. The presence and power of God was at work in the church at Ephesus, but he wasn't at work in the person uh, and through the lives of these exorcists because that's not how God intended to work. God never wants to magnify the preacher. God never wants to magnify the church. God wants to magnify his name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a question, one final question, and we'll close. Are you known, are you known by reputation in hell? I wonder that about Lars Messerschmitt. Is his picture just happened to show up in a magazine in a photo op with some journalist who finds out he's a Protestant exorcist? I don't know Lars by name, nor do I know him by testimony. But do you have a reputation in hell as someone who has a connection with the Lord Jesus Christ? As someone who demons don't want to have anything to do with? Or are you all title and no testimony? Is there some demon sitting beside you on the church pew saying, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Let's pray.